to turn in your Bibles, please, to um, 1 Peter, uh, chapter 1. And as you're getting there, my theme here is subjectivity versus objectivity. And usually if you're objective about something, you're impersonal, you want to rely on facts, uh, you don't want to have guesswork as opposed to subjectivity, it relates to you. It can be personal feelings, tastes, opinions. So you, we could go see a movie, I could love it, someone else would hate it. I could be sitting here for a minute and thinking time's flying and someone else could be thinking time's crawling. But it's still 60 seconds for a minute and 60 minutes for an hour. It's still objectively quantifiable. Now, objectivity is also an object, is it's also a, it's a, a thing, it's something real, tangible, it can be attested to by two or three witnesses. It's also a goal. Our objective is such and such, such and such. We can have personal objective, personal aims, but of course we have to align our objectives with the Lord's objectives and not let our subjective emotions and opinions cloud our situations. And so we come together in a meeting like this and we just, we just rejoice because it's all encouragement and you can almost hear the swords and the irons just grinding together sharpening each other up because we're all here in the right attitude and the right spirit just wanting the best for each other wanting for the best for those we hang around with and it's inspiring it's joyful and it's a great place to be so we'll start off here in um <laughs> we'll start off in chapter one of second peter in verse 20 and i just had another little note here that you know we someone can feel hot and someone can feel cold. Could be 20 degrees. And if you're from Mombolk, you'd think that's pretty toasty. And if you're from far north Queensland, you've got the, you know, you've got every jacket in the house on. <laughs> Never mind. But in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20, starting off here, it says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture, no inspired teaching that is prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation so in case we didn't already realize it the word of god is objective it's not according to our idea it actually means what it means and we have to be aware that we don't insert our personal opinion into it because usually it's going to just pervert it slightly we've got to be able to rightly divide the word of truth so that we get we stay faithful we stay honorable we guard our hearts with all diligence because out of our hearts come the issues of life uh knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation and the word private there is a greek word idios which sort of made me smile a bit because <laughs> don't be an idios <laughs> which it means in that context private own as in yours but apart don't have don't have a view on the scripture that's apart from what the lord is actually saying to us um and then we think about generally in the world religion is it subjective or objective or spirituality and usually in the world the way the world goes about religion it's usually pretty subjective because, you know, you hear things, I'm on a personal journey and I'm finding myself and I think this and I think that. And, you know, what was the old adage? 
you you'll that you'll find yourself and then you realize you're lost and then you have you need some serious uh, direction because the thing about your subjectivity is you can only be subjective within the parameters of your own experience and jesus says there in john we speak that which we know if i've told you earthly things and you not believe me how will you believe me if i tell you heavenly things we have to have the blinkers removed we have to have a touch from the lord as we've heard because a touch of the lord is so so real and of course we have to be i've mentioned already um would beware of subjectivity dressed as objectivity and you know to religious fanaticism and there's plenty of religious fanaticism in all forms out there in planet earth and it's not just religious fanaticism you know you've got different people what is it q and on all those different types of things which are in in the western world and people are against this and they don't believe anything and are trying to tear down governments and it's not helpful and it's a sign of the times uh if you come back to judges chapter 21 in the old testament here Judges 21, uh, and the very last verse of the book, verse 25 of Judges, and it just, the way these books are written, of course they're written beautifully because it's the inspired word of God, but the way this sums up the whole book, verse 25, Judges 21 reads, in those days there was no king in Israel, every man did that which was right in his own eyes so it was an era of subjectivity and if you've ever read the book of judges <laughs> you've got bloodshed rape pillage murder swings and roundabouts triumph and disaster because it was the period after the death of joshua and the jo and the generation that knew joshua people who were truly inspired by the lord people who had objective experiences with the lord like moses had an experience in the, with the lord which was witnessed by a nation he, this wasn't his internal subjective experience he, he they heard as a nation the voice thunder from the mountain moses went up into the mountain and they heard the voice speak to the nation it was real it was external and of course after that we had joshua and he was a great leader and he did he uh conquered or well, largely conquered the, the um palestine the promised land but after that the other generations came along and they forgot the lord and then of course they fall, fall into apostasy they'd be overrun by the nations round about them and then they cry out to the lord and the lord would raise up a leader someone touched by you know inspired uh strong zealous samson uh, gideon um Deborah, all these great heroes of the word of God, men and women, and they would lead Israel and restore them. And of course, then we move on after that. Um, we have got a character like King Saul and his approach to the, the word of God was subjective because God gave him a directive, but he actually had, he adjusted it to do what he thought was right. And we know the story there that when he was told to do uh, destroyed and totally did, he did half the job and kept some back and of course and it was to his uh it was his you know his downfall and of course you contrast that to king david and he was he was objective towards he knew god 
plan and purpose and his god spoke of him after god's own heart what a reference if you're going for a job he does things after god's own heart what would you like your salary to be <laughs> you would have because you know that they they've got the heart in the right place and as you, as and Jonah and Anna were saying with a testament about uh, looking for people employees the employee the employer hires someone in effect buys their time because they're buying their time and in that time that person's going to serve the employer's best interests that's the deal and with the lord he's redeemed our time he's bought our time our life it's it's like a, a slave owner owns the time of the per, of the slave your time and hence your body and your everything about you is mine and i you must if you don't realize that you're going to be miserable and your attentions and your things are going to be divided but that's the deal lord, the lord has we must redeem the time he's bought us he's redeemed us we are his slave now and we willing willingly submit to that and we get blessed uh so of course we just mentioned uh moses he well he had an incredible life an incredible range of experiences with the lord and it was in front of many witnesses if we come up to proverbs chapter 3 it's a a general encouragement for a wednesday night nothing too in depth but all along the lines of what we've, we're here, our, our commonality is our communion. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear, reverence the Lord, the eternal one, Jehovah, the self-existent one, and depart from evil. It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. And of course, that is, um, where is that? Don't be conceited. Don't be subjective. Don't be walking by your own ideas. Don't allow yourself to be offended. Don't think, you know, pride goes before a fall. Fear the Lord. Look beyond yourself and depart from evil. The fear of the Lord, it says in uh, Job, is the beginning of wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding so your actions are showing your understanding um and fear the lord we need we have a mind to do so the mind of christ nurture and cultivate that mind of christ that he's given us or given us access to and the and the ability to pray in the spirit to to focus ourselves in the same book, Proverbs 26, uh, Proverbs 26 here in verse 12. See thou a man wise in his own conceit, there is more hope of a fool than of him. See, he's wise in his own eyes, his, his own appearance. It's like a selfie. It's vanity. It's like looking in the mirror in the vanity. It's not, you're kidding yourself. It's not objective. Uh, and I hope what we're learning is we have learned and, and are learning that the Lord and salvation 
are objective. And, of course, we must be subject to the Lord. You know, when the king comes, the king rules over his subjects because the king now, you are subject to the king and his agenda and his rules and his purpose. Um, come up to Romans 2. Romans chapter 2. Romans 2 in uh, verse 11. For there is no respect of persons with God. He's, this is also a, a reiteration um, from the book of Acts when um, the house of Cornelius received the Holy Spirit, the Roman centurion, and Peter had this epiphany, this great realisation of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. From whatever nation, those who do, do well obey, God will bless. doesn't matter. And here we are, the living embodiment of that tonight in our meeting here. And we just, we're from all over the world and we should, you know, the spirit is moving as we sing. As the prophet said it would be, and here he is, he says, there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many have sinned in the law shall be judged. Um, and then, of course, it goes on. If you, if, you do the, if you do the work of the law in this context, or you follow with the Lord, if you humbly cry out, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And here it is, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And Israel in the Old Testament was a nation we've read there in Judges. Uh, it goes back to the very core of the narrative of the word of God. And then they, they were blessed, they were cursed, they were blessed, they were cursed. And eventually they were destroyed as a nation, but not forever. And they were cast away, but not forever. God will scatter them again, or sorry, gather them in again. And they won't be complete, as it says there in Hebrews 12. The great heroes of faith saw our day in the promise of God. And they're not complete without us. And um, we're not complete, complete without the nation. We're all being brought together into God's object, his objective, his aim. To, you know, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our, Lord, our God and his Christ. And so we've got objective principles in the word of God. And uh, we've also got the means to quantify them. And, of course, in John 3, don't look it up. We know that unless we're born of the water and the spirit, we cannot see nor enter into the, God, into the kingdom. It's, it's deliberate steps that we can carry out. And, of course, we know that in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out. In Acts 2.38, the contract is laid out for salvation, that if we have a, a repentant heart, a change of mind, we turn around within ourselves and we're baptised in the name of Jesus Christ, we shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 2, verse 33, he sheds it, sheds it forth. I'll read it to you. Acts 2, verse 33. Don't worry, don't worry about looking it up. He says, he has shed forth, therefore, verse 33 of Acts 2, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received the, the Father, the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear. It's, it's quantifiable. 
we can witness it. And not only do we witness it, we hear it, we see it, and then we partake of it ourselves. And um, we are, and so yeah, and having followed, we are we are still warned. Uh, Romans eleven. And of course, another thing about an objective or being objective is things can be objectionable. And there in John, Jesus said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And of course, that sounds pretty objectionable. That sounds quite far out. And of course, from that point on, many of his followers stopped following him because they objected to that. But of course, he spoke in the spirit. And of course, we partake in the, that's the communion service because he gave his body for us. In Romans 11, I've already alluded to this, Romans 11. Uh, oh, no, go to Romans 12, if you would. Romans 12, 16. Yeah, be, not, be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of lower state. Be not wise in your own conceits. And I'm just reiterating that. Um, and I've said it earlier, workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we'll finish up back in back where we started in Second Peter 1. Second Peter 1. And just a few verses from the first verse we read. In verse 16. So, and our theme here tonight is objective versus subjective as in what is real reality versus our thoughts and our, our feelings. And, of course, you know, we've got thoughts and feelings and, and it's good to feel good and it's good to be inspired and we want love, joy, peace, but all that. But, of course, we have to conform to God's plan. And here he says in verse 16, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received God from for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we I think we all know what he's referring to there when they uh, Peter, James, and John went with I think well, it was Peter and John, I think James might have been there too. They went up onto the mountain with Jesus apart and he was transfigured. So there are a group of people, a group of men have gone up onto a mountain apart and all of a sudden, or I don't know how suddenly it was, one of those men, namely Jesus, becomes supernatural. He just becomes incredible, unimaginable brightness and glory. And then they saw Moses and Elijah in booths near him and then a voice comes like thunder and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Peter here is testifying to what he experienced. And he wasn't alone. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall everything be established. And verse 18, and this voice came from the heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. And John writes in 1 John about the word of life, which we have seen and heard and which our hands have handled. So that, you know, the man, Jesus Christ, they handled him. They, you know, they, 
probably hugged him and, and patted him on the back and, and held his hand and shook hands, whatever they did in those days. Verse 19, so there's his, his, his experience here. And then verse 19, but there's more. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, of inspired teaching, of account of the narrative of the word of God, which stretches on far into the future. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And I can just say amen to that. And we're here because the day is dawning and the day starts arising in our hearts. 